Welcome back, everyone. No, if I say welcome back, you can't say welcome back, too. I tried to take your thing. I'm a parrot. Now you say what I say. I say what you say? Now you say what I usually say. I say what you usually say. Do it now. Do it now? Stop. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Stacy and Pete here. <laughs> Good. Wait, it's the... We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here listening. We are. I'm very happy. To us. With us. (laughs) How dare you? How how dare you? How dare you? So this week, this past week, something very exciting happened. Mm. I shared on our social media the scene from my so-called life where they're at the World Happiness Dance. Yes. And it's the famous Ricky and Delia dance to What is Love? By Hathaway. Amazing dance by Ricky. Baby, don't hurt me. Some people think of Night at the Roxbury when they hear that song. (laughs) I think of Ricky and Delia at the World Happiness Dance. What's funny is SNL probably did that first, didn't they? Before Night at the Roxbury? Well, the Night at the Roxbury movie came from... Those characters. Yeah, an SNL skit. I just didn't know if they did like that particular song. I don't know if they did or not. Anyways, go ahead. Tell your story. So, obviously, there are a lot of people in our community that love my so-called life, and they always react big time whenever I post anything about it. This was no exception, and everybody was so excited about it, both on TikTok and Instagram. But the best part was that Wilson Cruz himself, Ricky Vasquez, commented on it on Instagram. He, like, put a bunch of hearts, and then he put a dancing girl and a dancing boy emoji, and then shared it. To his stories. You were very excited. I teared up. You did. It makes me emotional because he was just, if you've listened to our My So-Called Life episode, you know, like he was so impactful on not just me, a straight white girl, (laughs) but like so many people in the world in, in the 90s. And, you know, that was such a groundbreaking character. Yeah, society in general. He did have an impact. He did. He will remain one of my all-time favorite television characters, I think, for the rest of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that was that was a really cool moment. And when he shared it in his stories, it says, like, hashtag gay, 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 gay. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, that's me. And that was me when I was a teenager, you know? So anyway, if you have not listened to that episode, you got to scroll way back. Keep going. When you think you've gone far enough, keep going. It's episode 29. Did I number it correctly? <laughs> Look, it's, it's a question it, sh- mark. it should say 29. Well, the apps are different too, because oh. I think on Apple, it actually has the number, but I think on like Spotify, it'll just say the name of the episode. Can you search on Spotify? You know, I've never tried to do that. I'm not sure. I wonder if you can. But of course, there's a ton of other, you know, ways you can listen. Yeah. Um, but anyway, give it a listen. There's also some fun 90s trivia on that one. I think that was maybe one of the first times we ever tried to do trivia on here. Oh, really? Well, before we got our soundboard. Our stream deck. Stream deck. Yes. This is not an ad. No, it's not. We paid for this. <laughs> but we have yet to actually try a trivia game with that. So we'll be trying that soon. We'll see Very how that soon. goes. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Who's coming to the front of the class this week? 
Show and tell this week, we have Jessica Del Toro. She was born in October 1983, which makes her... 38. 38. Her favorite 80s movie, Michael Jackson, Moonwalker, and favorite 80s song, Pleasure Principle by Janet Jackson. Favorite 90s movie and song, Mrs. Doubtfire and Tearing Up My Heart by NSYNC. It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you, but when we are apart, I feel it too, and no matter what I Good girl. That's an excellent choice. <laughs> Stacy approved. <laughs> Our favorite 80s and 90s TV shows, Fraggle Rock and Full House. We need to cover Fraggle Rock at some point. I know. That's one of your favorites, isn't it? Well, I love anything Jim Henson. Okay. So, you know, always makes me happy. Toy that she loved the most as a child, Cabbage Patch Kids. Classic. Very hard to find. No, it's not hard to find them. Is it not? It's just hard to find the specific one that I had. That's true. Very hard to find your Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes. (laughs) I keep looking. I mean, I've seen some that are similar, and I think I'm probably just going to end up having to do that, because Mm -hmm. how am I going to know? Who's going to know? How would they know? (laughs) Did they go out of business? Is there still Cabbage Patch Kids? I think they still make them, but they look different now. Oh, do they? Mm Mm-hmm. Why not bring back classic Cabbage Patch Kids and let you pick the name, outfit, color, all that? They should, where you can like customize them yeah. to look the way that the one you had. Exactly. Looked. I found my birth certificates, but, you know, and I did find that there was like a color coding, right? Because one of them is green mm-hmm. and one of them is like a blush, like a rose color. And the you birth can, certificate itself? Yes. Oh, and okay. so one was like a, a kid and one was a preemie. Oh. And so that's how you can start to find, like, your grouping. I need to research it more because maybe I could find it. Because when I found that, I was like, whoa, I had no idea Mm -hmm. that those classic Cabbage Patch Kids in the 80s were, like, categorized by that. Um, So you can find, like, your, I don't want to say bundle. Batch. Your batch. (laughs) Your uh, patch. (laughs) Your patch of... From the Cabbage Patch. Yes. It's like a specific patch where yours came from. Is it like a crop? Your crop? Your crop of Cabbage Patch Kids? <laughs> you know what's weird, too, is Babyland General is so close to where I grew up, and I never went. What is Babyland General? It's where you can go see the Cabbage Patch Kids. Like them being grown? Yes. Really? Yeah. Like, where is it? It's in Georgia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Still open? I feel like it is. Maybe we should go. We need a field trip. We should contact them and see if they want to pay us to come. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Unless you're going to do it. Unless you're going to do it. <laughs> All right. Her favorite book that she loved as a child, Babysitter's Club Books. Also a classic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to our podcast the other day, and we did have a good idea where we would Sometimes read. Sometimes we have those. Yes. We would read the Babysitter's Club books. Oh, yeah. We did say that. Mm-hmm. We need to remember that. We'll have to do those episodes when we haven't had anything to drink. Yes. <laughs> favorite place to go in the mall in the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s. Here's the list. Ross. Mervyn's, Toys R Us, KB Toys, and Circuit City. (laughs) And a memory that she mentioned. She said, one Christmas, I got a surprise gift from Santa. Went to the living room to find a new toy. It talked, and you can even play tapes in it. It was called... 
Teddy Ruxpin. Teddy Ruxpin. I think we all remember Teddy. At least us 80s babies do. Yeah, I was so jealous of any kid that had old Teddy Ruxpin. Me too. I never had one. I had Cricket instead. Both equally creepy. No, Teddy was sweet. Cricket, scary. But no, I've heard a lot of stories about their different talking dolls talking without anything in them. Mm. Just saying. But I'm sure Jessica's Teddy Ruxpin was perfect. Question on Toys R Us versus KB Toys. Did KB Toys have a mascot? Mm, I don't know. Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, A teddy bear just came to mind. Let me go look. But I could be wrong. Oh, it was like the soldier. Oh, wasn't a teddy bear. Was not a teddy bear and was no Jeffrey. Jeffrey. (laughs) Jeffrey. (laughs) Well, that's it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jessica. Jessica, you may be seated. So if you would like to be featured in our show and tell segment, you can DM us on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod or email us at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. And you can find us on TikTok at we don't want to grow up. There is a very fun Facebook group, the Cozy Club, fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can help support the podcast by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. And if you like our content, we'd really appreciate you giving us a five star rating and a quick review. It may be annoying that we ask this all the time, but those numbers do matter for us. So if you haven't done that, please just take a few moments of your time. And share about the podcast and our social media. If you have any friends or family that you think might enjoy it, spread the word. Let them know. Time for our movie this week. Our movie of the week. We're kind of finishing out the trilogy. Our first trilogy. Our last two movies that we covered. One from the 80s, Heathers. One from the 90s, Jawbreaker. I'm sure you can guess which one from the early 2000s that we would cover in this scenario. It is... Mean Girls. Did you ever feel like you 2004. So this is a teen comedy directed by Mark Waters and written by Tina Fey. Who knew? I did. You did. Lauren Michaels, who is, of course, the creator of Saturday Night Live, was the producer. This movie follows Katie Heron as she attends public school for the first time. She had been homeschooled while her parents were doing research in Africa. So high school was a whole new world for her. She meets Janice and Damien, who are kind of outsiders, and they explain all the different cliques. When the Plastics, a.k.a. the Mean Girls, give Katie, which I didn't know it was C-A-D-Y, which is a very mean girl way to spell that name. <laughs> Just kidding. They talk about that in the movie, too. Do they? Because they're like, Caddy. They call her Caddy. And oh. she's like, it's actually Katie. So they give Katie a little attention, and Janice and Damien urge her to join the group so she can learn their secrets. And it backfires. Yes, it does. So as Katie gets caught up in that circle and finds herself to be the new head in charge after sabotaging the group's original leader, Regina George. Who here has been personally victimized by Regina George? Raise your hand. As we all raise our hands. (laughs) So the cast, Lindsay Lohan as Katie Heron. Rachel McAdams as Regina George. Lacey Chabert as Gretchen Wieners. Amanda Seyfried as Karen Smith. Lizzie Kaplan as Janice Ian. Daniel Franzese as Damian Lee. Jonathan Bennett as Aaron Samuels. Rajiv Surendra as Kevin Napoor. Tina Fey as Miss Sharon Norberry. Tim Meadows as Principal Ron Duval. Amy Poehler as June George, who is Regina's mom. <laughs> Anna Gasteyer as Betsy Heron, Katie's mom. 
Neil Flynn as Chip Heron, Katie's dad. Daniel DeSanto as Jason. Diego Klattenhoff as Shane Oman. Dwayne Hill as Coach Carr. So let's get into these fun facts. Tina's own high school experiences inspired the movie, along with a self-help book called Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman. So some of the characters in the movie were named after people that Tina knew in real life. Mm. And she told Entertainment Weekly, I tried to use real names in writing because it's just easier. So Katie Heron was named after her college roommate, Katie Gary. Damien was named after her high school friend, Damien Holbrook, who is a writer for TV Guide now. Oh. Glenn Coco, and we all love the line, you go, Glenn Coco, (laughs) is named after her older brother's friend, and he's now a film editor in L.A. Janice Ian was named after the singer Janice Ian. Who knew? Oh. Janice was actually a musical guest on the very first episode of Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? Yes. And when she was on, she performed her song At 17, and that song is actually playing when the girls are fighting at Regina's house. Oh, that's awesome. I know. Hmm. So Lindsay Lohan and Amanda Seyfried read for the role of Regina George first. Blake Lively, Evan Rachel Wood, Ashley Tisdale, and James Franco were all considered for roles in this movie at one point. I read, too, that Lindsay was really worried about being a mean girl, like what that would do for her career. Mm -hmm. And because she had just done like Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen Mm -hmm. and Freaky Friday, the producers were more on board for her playing Katie, which is a more likable character. Well, she does have a little rough patch there. Where she's a bit of a mean girl. Yes. Yes. But she she straightens out. She does. So Mean Girls 2, which was a made-for-TV movie, aired on ABC Family in 2011. I never saw that one. You didn't watch it? No. I did. No, you didn't. No, I did. (laughs) And also a common theme that we've seen in the last couple movies that we've covered, it was adapted into a Broadway musical in 2018. Mean Girls, the, the original. original Mean yes. Girls, not Mean Girls 2. Because that Mean Girls 2 had a better story, I'm going to say. <laughs> better cast <laughs> better all cast, around. Better story. <laughs> and we shouldn't shade it if we've not seen it. That's true. It could be a gem, hidden gem. <laughs> so it was initially R-rated. There were a lot more sexually explicit jokes. There was one I saw um, where we know that they wrote in the burn book that so-and-so, I can't remember what her name is, had made out with a hot dog. <laughs> But it was originally about doing something different with a frozen hot dog. Oh. (laughs) But they eventually got it down to PG-13, which was a good move for them because about 50% of their audience in theaters included people under the age of 18. Yeah. So I wonder if they were after like the American Pie crowd. What year did this come out? Yeah. American Pie, I think, came out in like 99. And I mean, I guess I could see this movie having a similar feel, but... I definitely think they made the right call. Oh, they did for sure. Yeah. So actor Daniel Franzese, who played Damien, wrote an open letter to his character on IndieWire 10 years after the movie came out, saying that playing the role actually helped him to be more comfortable with his own sexuality. One of the things he said was, what Damien did for a lot of queer people and people of size, which I found out later on, it gave them an identity in pop culture where they weren't made fun of. He's never made fun of for being big or being gay. It's a good point. Yeah. Because like while they mention it, they never say anything derogatory. Right. And that's sadly unusual. Absolutely. I like that. Me too. A slight oops that some fabulous person caught. (laughs) 
There's a flyer in the girls' bathroom saying that the talent show that they have, you know, the one where they perform Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. The talent show was on November 27th, 2003. That was actually Thanksgiving Day that year. <laughs> and public schools obviously are closed on Thanksgiving Day. So Everybody knows that. They Come would on. not be having a talent show. So obviously whoever made up that date, which is an amazing date, by the way. It is. Happens to be my birthday. Yeah. They didn't check to see that that was actually a holiday. I didn't know Thanksgiving would actually fall on your birthday. Yes. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. Every seven years or so. Six or seven years, depending. Uh, uh, I guess so. I've just missed one when it's happened, <laughs> <laughs> apparently. Right? <laughs> no, we've been together since yeah, I'm saying birthday on Thanksgiving. I would have missed at least one. In my mind, the fact of like correlating them together that it's your birthday and it's Thanksgiving. How would you have missed it? I just missed the fact that it happened. <laughs> well, <laughs> I the day your it, birthday. The day it happened, you were aware of it. I was. Yes. Okay. You've never forgotten my birthday. I know, I'm not saying I forgot your birthday. I'm just I forget that Things that happen. can happen. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I forget Thanksgiving moves around. It does move around, yes. Stop shaming me. <laughs> I'm not shaming you. I'm trying to figure you out. <laughs> So the actor who played Glenn Coco, David Reel, had auditioned for the movie, but didn't get the job. He ended up just hanging around on set with the background actors, and the director recognized him from the auditions and grabbed him for the Candygram scene. He wasn't credited, and he didn't get paid, but he was just happy for the free meal. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, people still say, you go, Glenn Coco, to him on a regular basis. I love that because you barely see this guy's face yeah. in this movie. And the fact that people have found him, they know what he looks like, and, you know, he still has people yell that to him on the streets or on social media. just think that's so fun. It's it like, is a lot of fun. You are just like a little blip, an <laughs> accidental, you know, not accidental, but thrown in there, no lines, you didn't get paid, but you're a part of pop culture history. Mm-hmm. It's just pretty cool. So Rajiv Surendra, who played Kevin G., was struggling with his rap skills a bit. And received guidance from an unlikely co-star, Amy Poehler. I feel like we've seen her rap on Parks and Rec. Yeah. There's video around of Amy doing the rap. Really? Yes. I didn't look it up, but I did read that, that it exists. I think there's a video with her and Tina and maybe Lindsay. Yeah. And I don't think they're all doing the rap, though. I think it's just Amy. But I love the fact that she was guiding him on, like, the moves <laughs> and just the swagger and all of it. Right. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Tina apparently chose Jonathan Bennett for the role of Aaron Samuels because he reminded her of her SNL co-star, Jimmy Fallon. Ah. I can kind of see it. Yeah. I love Jonathan. He, we watched him on Celebrity Big Brother several years ago. Oh, yeah. I remember him. So Tina did an interview with Entertainment Weekly on the 10-year anniversary and said she regretted having shot down the idea of doing a sequel, which I agree with. Yeah. She said that it was too late now. But Lindsay's making a comeback now, so I'm not giving up hope. They should do it. They should do it. And don't count that Mean Girls 2 made-for-TV sequel as a sequel. No, listen, it is the better movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think what the world needs now is a Mean Girls sequel with the entire original cast. I mean, what's Rachel McAdams up to? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm, wow. I am joking. I think she's still doing very well. <laughs> she is. But it would be great now if Lindsay was the Mean Girl. She had become the Mean yes, Girl. Yes, and have Regina be like the nice, sweet girl. Yes. I like it. Speaking of Rachel, in the New York Times Oral History of Mean Girls, 
Rachel McAdams said that director Mark Waters had encouraged her to do two things that would inspire her embodiment of Regina George. To listen to Courtney Love at a high volume, which I'm sure they're referring to Hull. Yes. And also to watch Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glenn Ross. I have never seen Glengarry Glenn Ross. I have not either. But apparently there's like a big scene where he's like having a rant. Oh, and really? And so that's what they're trying. They were really talking about when Rachel like loses her sh- Right. And that's what he wanted, you know, her to uh, channel. Yes. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Bennett put out a cookbook called The Burn Cookbook, an unofficial authorized cookbook for Mean Girls fans. To promote it, he said, if you think my hair looks sexy, push back. Just wait till you see how sexy my new hashtag burn cookbook looks in your hands. Feed your inner plastic with hashtag Mean Girls inspired recipes. I thought that was funny. I love that. (laughs) If you think my hair looks sexy, push back. Is that whole thing like tell him his hair looks sexy, push back. (laughs) Who's ready for some favorite moments? I know I am. I know. <laughs> Which way to the beach? And that's where we need a video because yes. then you would have seen what he was doing with his arm. Sorry. I was about to turn into Hitman, but I didn't. I kept it up where I was Beach Man. Then I was thinking of Snooky. Uh, Where's the beach? <laughs> I'm a good person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite moments. Listen, I have like 35 of them. You really do. I've never seen a single favorite moment that was this long. <laughs> and I think you have... Okay, this first favorite moment is huge, but please go ahead. I'll be back later. (laughs) He's he's like, I'm going to go have a snack. I'll be back. I need a snack. (laughs) Okay, so my first favorite moment, the beginning of the movie, you know, Katie's first day of school, when Janice and Damien clue her in on the goings on of the school. The description of the plastics is my fave. You know, we learn that Karen isn't the brightest. She once asked Damien how to spell orange. Which I don't, I never understood that. Orange can be a difficult word to spell. For who? Besides Karen. (laughs) Karen and like four-year-olds. It would be like, how do you spell I? You know, that would be a sicker burn. No, because it could mean like I as a person or I like your eyeballs. Anyways, please continue. Look. They chose to use the word orange as their descriptive. I would think it would be something like cat. Yes. You know, but whatever. They're trying to be unique. We learn that Gretchen knows all the hot gossip. That's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets. And we learn, of course, that Regina is the queen bee. Janice says evil takes a human form in Regina George. It's very dramatic. And then we get this montage of different students talking about Regina. And it it definitely like draws you in and intrigues you about this person because we haven't met her yet. Right. They're just talking about her in an interview. Right. They say things like she's flawless. She has two Fendi purses and a silver Lexus. I hear she has her hair insured for $10,000. I hear she does Japanese car commercials. Her favorite movie is Varsity Blues. (laughs) (laughs) One time she met John Stamos on a plane and he told her she was pretty. (laughs) These are all very important facts. Yes, they are. And then you have a girl that's like, one time she punched me in the face. It was awesome. (laughs) Just give you a good background. Like these people see her as a celebrity, but they also like hate her a little bit, but also like honored if she just acknowledges their existence. Right. You know, or acknowledges them at all. And that's that's real power. It is right there. But also that map that Janice gives Katie to help her decide where to sit in the cafeteria. And she describes all the different cliques. And most of them are pretty stereotypical. They are a little problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But I was curious. Well, I know your school situation was different, but you did eventually go to a public school. Yes. Kind of like Katie. Yeah. It was a whole new world for you. It was. Except you weren't being homeschooled in Africa. I almost was being homeschooled <laughs> in America. It came very close like two or three times. Right. But did your school have like the obvious cliques? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You had the people who were still kind of stuck in the 80s. This was, of course, the mid 90s. Right. But uh, generally they worked in shop or on cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we and, had them. Yeah, you had them. Um, then you had my group, which was like the cool, smart people. <laughs> Of course. Of Na- course. Naturally. And the athletes, but it, it was like- But you were an was, athlete. Right. So it was like two groups, two For main you. groups. Yeah. yeah. And then like maybe some people that, I mean, to be honest, they just didn't matter. Right. So <gasps> I don't know what group you put them it. in. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I loved it. I really did love almost everybody. Yeah. Well, I feel like I was trying to think about this, but it's like, I do feel like there were a lot of people that just, like if you were- Makes me think of Big Brother where they call people floaters. Yes. Where you just kind of are friends with almost everybody, but you you don't have like a specific clique. Yeah. I definitely had a specific group of friends, but that group as a whole was huge. Right. And it was full of athletes, cheerleaders, you know, shouldn't separate athletes and cheerleaders, but you know what I mean. You know, it had like the prom queen and the homecoming king and the, the people who won all the superlatives, that sort of thing. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, those people, but I was really good friends with those people. Yeah. I would consider myself an actual floater yeah. because there was separations between like athletes and some people that were like super cool and then were also athletes right Mm -hmm. those people kind of mixed together but there was a line of division there and then you had some people that were just really smart and weren't involved in sports but they kind of crossed over too yeah so i mean there was a big mixture our group though also had like people that were really smart yeah and you know occasionally you would have like a crossover with like a band person or a drama person or but then you had like the band people that were closer to each other right well like but i'm still friendly with those people you know wasn't like a definitive, like, you can't sit with us kind of thing. Yes. At least from my perspective. I never treated anyone like that. I didn't either. But like, as an example, our valedictorian was probably the best artist in the school. Yeah. Uh, she was in the band. She was a, a major athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if she acted at all, but maybe she did. I don't, I don't really know. But it's like, you know, she was Very well-rounded, well-rounded yeah. right? And that was a lot of people. Yes. I like that. Yeah. And I, I do like the fact, like, I have, like, posted pictures where I'll be, like, me and my friends in the hallway between classes, and it's, like, me and 20 people or something. And that's not even, like, half of the, the group of people that I would consider to be in my group of friends. Right. But, of course, I was closer to some than others. Like, I would say, like, core-wise, there was probably, like, eight people that I, girls, really, that I was really close to. But then you still had people that I would love to see now. Right. You know? And, I mean, like, there was a guy who, today, that I graduated with that I wasn't super close with. But he was, like, in the group. He was, like, an athlete. And he, like, was sending me a picture of, he found, like, all his school shirts and, like, our senior shirts and all that. And he's like, I thought this would be good for your Instagram. You know, I was like, oh, that's so fun. It you is know? fun. I wish I could get some interaction from people that I know to contrast what high school style during that period looked like in Western New York. Well, you should share more about our podcast on your social media and maybe your friends from high school would think, yeah. of, think of you when they think of stuff like that. I need to take our advice that we give on every episode. To share, <laughs> to share about it with I'm your just, friends and family. Yes. I'm just not very good with the social medias. Okay. All right. All right. 
back to it. All right. Is that first one done? Um. Okay, I'm done. You are done? Yeah. Okay. Now for my micro favorite moment. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. You're going to pick like some kind of picture that's framed on the wall in Gretchen Wiener's <laughs> room in the background. No. <laughs> no, but uh, I wish I had noticed that. My first one, the full school brawl after the book is made public. Oh. And how proud Regina is of herself, of the chaos she has created. <laughs> she is proud. It's so very impressive. And it's a great brawl. And the fact that, like, she's getting off scot-free. Like, oh, she's yeah. able to blame Katie for that. Katie. <laughs> okay. My second favorite moment. Yes. When Karen was trying to avoid plans with Regina when they're on the phone and she goes, I can't go out. Uh, uh, I'm sick. And Regina just goes, boo, you whore. <laughs> Probably my most quoted line from the movie. And there are a lot. But that one was one that my friends and I would say a lot. Would you? Yeah. Very 2004. Very 2004. <laughs> All right. My second favorite moment. When Katie is slow-mo walking down the hall. Yes. And goes head first into the trash can. I absolutely did not remember that, and I did not expect it, and it really made me laugh. What I love about that is, like, that's such a jawbreaker moment, like oh, we yeah. talked about in the last episode. The four of them are walking down the hall, yeah. and then you're just expecting this greatness, and then all of a sudden, she just <laughs> in the trash head can. first. <laughs> well done. You don't usually see, like, the pretty cool girl get thrown in a trash can like that. I feel like that's the SNL roots of this movie. Yes. Where they at least subvert a little bit of that expectation. Mm -hmm. And it's how they do set themselves apart from being compared to Heathers and Jawbreaker. Yeah. You know, they made it more of a comedy. You know what's super hard? What? To not say Jawbreakers. Oh, I know. Every time. I correct myself almost every <laughs> single And when I write it, because I was just making a post, because this day that we're recording, our Jawbreaker, <laughs> I almost said Jawbreakers, <laughs> episode is going live tomorrow. Right. And so I already like pre-made the post where I'm sharing the trailer. Yeah. And I, I like had to correct myself not to say jawbreakers. The struggle is real. <laughs> okay. My third favorite moment. So there's a whole scene that takes place in the cafeteria. They're at the lunch table. Gretchen and Karen walk up and they're just like, Regina, we have to talk to you. And Regina asks Katie, like Regina's eating and, you know, she's got her plate full of carbs because at this point, Katie has told her about this diet, this all carb diet. <laughs> yeah. Right. So Regina's like, is butter a carb? And Katie's like, yes, because they're trying to make her gain weight. And Gretchen says, you're wearing sweatpants and it's Monday. And Regina's like, so? And Karen's like, so that's against the rules. You can't sit with us. <laughs> and Regina's just like, whatever, the rules aren't real. And then she's like, they were real the day I wore that vest because that vest was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gretchen just screeches, you can't sit with us. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like on edge like about to lose her shit. like she and we see a lot of other things where she just makes she infuriates her so much and i just felt like um what's her face from clue when she's like flames flames on the side of my face <laughs> okay sorry but anyway it also reminded me though this moment of heather's after heather chandler dies and heather duke can finally eat yes and she's eating the you know the chicken wings or whatever it's that same dynamic of just like, I'm tired of you lording over me. Right. And she finally like has a leg up on her because she's gained weight and she's not following these precious rules that Regina. That she made. Set up, you know, and enforced. 
And so she, you know, Regina can't handle it when they're throwing it back at her. Although there is a slight moment of feeling bad for Regina because she's like, sweatpants are all that fit me right now. Right. It's like, well, how does it feel, Regina, to not be perfect? So it's, you know, it's kind of like you feel bad for her and then you think about all that she's done and then you don't. You're like, get away from that table. (laughs) (laughs) My third favorite moment, Coach Carr, when he says, don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. It is good. And then he's saying all the things like, you know, don't have sex standing up, blah, 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 like all of it. You will die. Because scare tactics always work on teenagers. I feel like they do in general. Do they? Scare you at least. Well, they scare you, but they don't stop you from having sex. True. They make you think about it right right beforehand. You and I were just talking about this without (laughs) going into details. Okay. But. This guy we know and this girl. (laughs) There are just moments of things that have happened in certain people's lives where you're like, all that stuff we learned about on the real world in 90210 did nothing for us in this moment. There's a certain moment. Yeah. Like, you're just like, what's the matter with you? What is the matter with you? (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Okay. My first HM, when we go to Regina's house for the first time, like it's a huge house, very fancy. We walk in the door. Her little sister is dancing to Milkshake by Khalise (laughs) in the living room. And we meet her mom, played by Amy Poehler, in her amazing velour tracksuit and her obscene nipples. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and she says the classic line, so not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Regina's bedroom is massive. And then we learn that she made her parents trade her. This is how we know Regina is a tyrant. Yes. She rules the roost in her own family, like in her own home. I hope the character of Regina is based on somebody that actually did that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, because that's so, I mean, I definitely, I've known some spoiled people before, but never. That's another level. That is another level. My first HM, a small one, but the three-way calling. Yes. How much fun was that when it first was introduced? It was the best. It felt so special and unique. Like, yeah, I loved it. Although it could go the other way. Yeah. Where people trick you and you don't know that there's a third person on the line. So they try to get you to like confess that you like somebody and then the other person can hear. That's very subversive. I never had that happen. I did. I had survived my first three-way calling attack. You did have that happen. I did. Wow. Were you upset? Yeah. Who did that to you? I can't remember, actually. You can't? So did they, like, have the other person on the phone when you answered so you couldn't tell? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Like, they called me. Not cool. Not cool at all. Well, I would have been very angry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Ah, high school. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny about three-way calling, it is still incredibly complicated to this day. For all the new, like, apps that we talk on, like, at work, like Teams or various versions of that. Mm-hmm. People Zoom. Zoom, well, not really Zoom, like, but like Ring Central, Teams, some other ones. I don't know. I can't think of their names right now, but people always struggle with that on their cell phone or on those apps of adding somebody else in and like what you should do because everybody does it differently. Oh. So just two weeks ago, I was doing an interview and the person that set it up hung up on themselves <laughs> and, you know, they weren't part of the three-way call <laughs> because they didn't know how to do it right. And I feel like that has never changed the entire time because every single platform is like a little bit different on how you do the three-way call. It was a lot more straightforward back back in our day. Back in our day when it was just like, yeah, press this button, mm-hmm. make the call, then press this button, you know. Yep. 
But of course, we were young and we understood technology, <laughs> the technology of the time. True, true. All right, my next HM. And now for a reading. <laughs> At the Halloween party, Stacy will play Karen. I will play Gretchen. You know who's looking fine tonight? Seth Mazakowski. Okay, you did not just say that. What? He's a good kisser. He's your cousin. Yeah, but he's my first cousin. Right. So you have your cousins, and then you have your first cousins, and then you have your second cousins. No, honey. Mm -mm. That's not right, is it? That is so not right. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that she still waves at him. Yeah, just like, hi, tell me. Is that our first reading? I think so. Listen, it'll get better. We'll get better. Don't worry. I think we should do that more often. Yeah, we should. (laughs) All right. My next HM. This is in the very beginning of the movie. And you get the, what I'll term, the redneck religious kids. (laughs) And they give us this. And on the third day, God created the Remington Bull Action Rifle so that man could fight the dinosaurs and the homosexuals. Amen. Amen. So obviously, I don't agree with what the kids are saying. <laughs> right. It's just so ridiculous and very SNL of the beginning of this movie. It kind of sets part of the tone for what we're going to see. Tina definitely covered all of the stereotypes in this movie. She did. For better or for worse. Yeah. And people like that do exist, sadly. They do. They do. And my third HM, because you have a bit left. A, my, lo- a lot left. A lot. My <laughs> final HM is something very small. It's Katie's costume that she comes to the Halloween party in. Yes. And her commitment to it. Like, she is a little embarrassed at first, but it's not like she pulls, like, the fake teeth out and leaves. She owns it, and I like it. It's a good costume. It is a good costume, and I think it's funny, too, where... It's so true that girls a lot of times use Halloween as an excuse to dress like, you know, how you have like the sexy nurse and the sexy bunny and the sexy UPS driver. I mean, you could turn anything into something sexy. Yeah. And, you know, Katie walks in as like an actual zombie zombie bride bride and with like awful teeth and she's like frightening, you know, (laughs) and I I like that commitment because sometimes I like to to do just scary costumes instead of like trying to look cute. I mean, I want to look cute too, but. But authentic at the same time. Cute, but authentic. Right. I mean, I definitely have done some store-bought stuff too, but if we actually think about it in enough time, I like to put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, we do. We're going to do better this year. We probably will. (laughs) We'll at least put some thought into it. Yeah. Last year we just (laughs) the bed. We did. (laughs) Unfortunately. Did we even dress up? No. I think it's the first time that we haven't since we've been together. Okay. There are so many great moments in this movie. It was, uh, I couldn't handle ending this podcast without mentioning them. So I just have to say, Janice and Damien's purple suits for the spring fling. They're everything. When Karen puts on her beaded K on her chest in the mirror, and then she turns around. (laughs) (laughs) And it's on backwards and she doesn't even realize it. Like she's so proud of herself. When they do the trust falls, that whole scene is hilarious. It is. And for the girl who's there who's saying she just wishes they could all get along like they did in middle school. She just wants to bake a cake out of rainbows and smile so they could all eat it and be happy. And then you hear Damien yell. She doesn't even go here. (laughs) As he's like got his hoodie zipped up and pulled as tight as possible around his face with his sunglasses so he can be in there with the girls. He's just the best. He is. And of course, Jingle Bell Rock, the girls doing their choreography that they do every year. You have Amy Puller doing her dances along with them in the (laughs) aisle. 
And another great Karen quote. I think my favorite quotes from this movie are from Karen. Yeah. But this was like Karen before Karens were annoying. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Where she goes, I'm kind of psychic. I have a bit sense. What do you mean? It's like I have ESPN or something. That's when she's like, she can feel it in her boobs if it's going to rain. Right. (laughs) On the Karen subject, remember, we just went to the furniture store and our person that uh, hovered and followed us around. Annoyingly. Annoyingly. was named Karen, but she's like, I'm not one of those. (laughs) She's like, I'm a good Karen. I'm a good Karen. (laughs) I do know several good Karens. Yes. Plenty of good Karens. Your name has been besmirched. It's unfortunate. Yes. But let me speak to your manager. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is that it for Mean Girls? The Mean Girls trilogy is complete? It's complete. Wow. Our first trilogy. So impressed. Very. So so impressed with us. I am very impressed with us. (laughs) All right. So this movie came out in 2004. We are going to tell you the top 10 selling albums of the year. All right. In the US. So number 10 was, now that's what I call music. Volume 16. Volume 16. So we know that has various artists. It sold 2.5 million. On this track list, we have 20 different songs. I'm just going to tell you a few of them. We had Yellow Card, Ocean Avenue, Hoobastank, The Reason, Britney Spears, Every Time, JoJo with Leave, Get Out, Petey Pablo with Freak a Leak. That's still one of my favorites. (laughs) Black Eyed Peas with Hey Mama, Christina Milian, Dip It Low, Beyonce, Naughty Girl, Outcast, Hey Ya. D12, my band, which, by the way, did you know D12 was a rap group that Eminem was in? Do you remember that video? Yeah. I remember the video. I remember that it was Eminem, but I don't think that I knew he was a part of a group. Yeah. And they were featured on a few of his albums as well. Yeah. I totally missed that. Yeah. Well, I I do think my uh, consumption of Eminem was just what was given to me on the radio and on TV. I didn't like own his albums or anything. You did not celebrate his entire catalog? (laughs) I did not. Catalog. But yeah, I I just researched them the other day because I was like, wait a minute. So I learned something new. I think one of their members has passed away, actually. Yes, I read that Eminem said that the group was no longer together because of that person's passing. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, that one sold 2.56 million copies. Number nine on the list, Autobiography. I said 2.5. Yes, 2.56. Oh, oh, Because Ashley Simpson's Autobiography sold 2.57 million copies. That album had Pieces of Me on it. Ah. Which was like the only Ashley Simpson song I know. Ditto. (laughs) And I don't even really know that one. (laughs) (laughs) I bet if you heard it, you would know. I feel like I know the name. So once Mm -hmm. it uh, played, I'd I'd be drawn back into 2004. (laughs) When I think of Ashley Simpson, I just think of her SNL performance where she got busted with the lip syncing. And then she did that awkward dance. Yeah. All right. Number eight from Evanescence, Fallen. They sold 2.6 million albums. And that one had Bring Me to Life and My Immortal. It was a good one. Yes. Number seven, Songs About Jane from Maroon 5. It sold It sold 2.7 million copies. It had She Will Be Loved, This Love, Harder to Breathe, Secret. I love that album so the much. The hits just kept on coming. I know. All right. Number six on the list was Live Like You Were Dying by Tim McGraw. Sold 2.78 million copies. Not one that I listened to. I know the song just because 
it was everywhere. Mm. But, and I saw I saw Tim in concert. Did you? A couple times. Is it good? I told you I, I used to get, like, I'm not a country music fan. Right. But I've seen all the big country music acts because I was just willing to go to any concert. Like, I just love concerts. You so were a concert goer. My friends wanted to go, so I went. There you go. Number five on the list, Under My Skin by Avril Lavigne. Sold 2.9 million copies. It had a happy ending on there. And this wasn't even the one that had like all her big first hits. And it still is in the top five. Do you know the conspiracy theory about Avril Lavigne? I do. I don't buy it because, I mean, she still looks like Avril Lavigne. Like, I I don't. Do you want to tell them what it is? I don't really know it. I just know that I've seen that there's a conspiracy theory that she's been replaced by somebody else. They think she died and that she was replaced. By who? Some other girl. I thought it was somebody that was like in the limelight, though. No? No. Not not that. I I mean, I don't think that would be possible. Yeah. Probably not true. Avril, please reach out. Let us know. Is it really you? (laughs) (laughs) She just got engaged, too. Did she? Mm -hmm. All right. Number four on the list, When the Sun Goes Down by Kenny Chesney, sold three million copies. Mm. Number three, Encore by the aforementioned Eminem, sold 3.5 million copies, which one of those was me. It had like toy soldiers on it was the biggest hit. Yeah, with the Martika sample there. Yes. I didn't recognize a lot of the songs on that album other than this one. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I think that was probably the last Eminem album that I bought. Really? Mm -hmm. Number two was Feels Like Home by Nora Jones, sold 3.8 million. And this one, again, not the album that she won all those Grammys yeah. from. She like crushed the Grammys with her first one, right? She did. This one, Sunrise is the only song I remember off of it. Yeah. Like, And I actually bought that CD, but I just didn't, I didn't like it as much as the first one. That first album I loved. Same here. Um, I don't think I bought this one, but yeah, I didn't enjoy it as much. This was probably really close to the end of me buying entire CDs for one song. Yeah, same here. The end of an era. Mm -hmm. Ish, like I was kind of done, but I would occasionally buy an album here or there. Yeah. Or CD, sorry. At this point, though, I would only buy CDs if it was like a band or artist that I really loved because I wanted to show support. It was pre-Spotify, right? It was. but So what would you do? I guess I just listened to the radio. I don't know. It just wasn't. Or Napster. Oh, (laughs) she said it. (laughs) She could tell on my face I was angling for that Napster. I mean, this is pretty late for Napster. Like we were all we were all using Napster and LimeWire at this point. Oh, absolutely. I really think in my mind it was still going on though in 2004. I feel like it was on its way out. I feel like at some point it just became spyware, and you had to move on. Yeah. To other things. It was probably Demonoid, which is where you went and got it. Yeah, I remember that. That's right. I mean, that stuff, sadly, it definitely killed album sales. It did. Sales. Absolutely. But it brought to us the rise of streaming services. Yes. Which I do not pirate music. No. I don't. Nope. So, I mean, I, you know, have been brought on board. I pay for all of the music that I listen to via Spotify, essentially, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's. I'm basically buying an album a month. Yeah. If you think about it, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like Columbia House on steroids. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Except you're actually paying for it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how Uh, many CDs I have still to this day that I paid two cents for. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> I never actually did Columbia House, though. I never did any of those services. You didn't do that or BMG? Nope. I wanted to, but I never did. I still remember seeing the form and like oh, yeah. taping the penny to the paper really? and sending it in. That's yeah. so amazing. But I, I really have zero recollection of, I mean, I didn't pay for it. I, no. was, I was like 12. Exactly. You didn't have any money. No. You got no monies. No monies. All right. Number one. No, you do the number one here. No, no, no. Ursher, baby. Confessions sold 7.9 million. That is a huge jump from double. Nora Jones. Yeah. Who sold 3.8. More than double. Confessions had a, a lot of great okay. songs on it, too. Did it? Yeah. I wasn't the biggest Usher fan, but I know I probably heard a lot of the songs on this album on the radio. Oh, yeah. They were on the radio. Yeah. For sure. This was actually around the time that I first saw Usher in person. Yeah. And was shocked at how short he was. Like he was short, right? Real short, yeah. Shorter than you? Yes. Really? I feel like I was looking down at him. Wow. And I don't think that I was wearing like any kind of heel or anything like that. Now, was this before you shrank? <laughs> I know. I have <laughs> shrank a little bit. I'm getting old. We measured you the other day because you thought you were what? I five, thought I was 5'8". Five 5'8". Eight. Five eight. I'm actually 5'7". Five 5'7". Seven. Five seven. Because I was standing next to you and you were besmirching me on the podcast with how you're the same height as me. And I was like, we are not the same height, girlfriend. And I was towering over you like you over Usher. <laughs> <laughs> I did not besmirch you. Besmirch. Stop it. I said we were close to the same height. I know we're not the same height. Right. Anyway, but yes, I saw Usher and Chili of TLC fame. Oh, yeah? When they were dating. Oh. And she's really tiny. Is she? So she's, she's like, even shorter than him. I swear she's under five feet tall. Wow. Let me see. Oh, she's exactly five feet tall. That is considerably short. It says Usher's 5'8", but I don't buy it. Well, maybe you had shoes on he, and you were 5'8". seemed so tiny, which is weird because on TV, just the way he carries himself, it feels like he's like six feet tall. But I always not. thought he was six foot tall. Yeah. Yeah. Not I feel like he's like Tom Cruise height. It felt more like he was <laughs> Tom like- Tom like 5'7". Oh, well, yeah. It felt like he was like 5'7", five, 5'6", five, to be honest with you. Well, maybe that is with shoes for him. Yeah. I mean, they definitely could be lying yeah. in Google. Google could be lying. Because anytime like on my media that I created when I was doing modeling, I was 5'10". Mm -hmm. And I am not 5'10". So, you know. But with shoes in my hair, I'm nearly six feet tall. It's true. <laughs> true story. True story. True story. Okay. Well, that's all for this episode. This was a good one. Yes. If we do say so ourselves. And we do. <laughs> we do. Deal with it. Deal with it. Sorry, that's from Jawbreaker. Yeah. Not, not Jawbreakers. It's part of the trilogy. So it's applicable. <laughs> our trilogy. This is our truth. Yes. All right. <laughs> Take it easy. See ya. See ya. No, I did see ya. See ya.